Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us please stand and affirm with the proclamation of the faith of our heart, the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this, once again, privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed, as before, all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, selfishness, ignorance, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might, and may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkadi into your divine hands, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. The letter of Apostle Paul to the Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. That you put off concerning your former conduct to the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. The right to set aside our former way of life, to be clothed in a new way of life. And for the fulfillment of this commandment, written by the Apostle Paul and presented to us in the series of sermons of Apostle Arkadi, we know that there are three faithful commands and fundamental actions. This is to set aside, to renew, and to clothe. And from the fulfillment of these three requirements will depend the perfection of our salvation, salvation that is given to us in the format of a seed. Why is it given to us in the format of a seed? so that we may gain it as a property in the format of the fruit of righteousness. The Lord gives everything in the format of a seed, and He gives everything as a deposit. Even the Holy Spirit, He has given us as a deposit. The Holy Spirit, Scripture says, is given us as a deposit. Deposit. Meaning, why would the Holy Spirit be a deposit? He says that when we are born again, we are carnal. And for a carnal person, all that is tied to the Spirit, including the Holy Spirit Himself, and all that is spiritual, the spiritual Word of God, is a guest. And in order for it to become Lord and Ruler, both the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, we need to, in the death of the Lord Jesus, die to our nation, to the house of our Father, and our corrupt lusts. And then the Holy Spirit becomes our Master, and the Word of God also becomes our Ruler. And with regard to this, we have stopped to study the 18th Psalm of David, in which knowledge of the powers contained in the heart of David and the eight names of God had allowed David to love and call on the Lord who was worthy to be praised. And it gave God the basis to use the powers of these capabilities 
and battle against the enemies of David. Without the Lord, we will not be able to overcome our enemies. And under our enemies, we first mean, of course, our old man, because this enemy lives in us. And if we are able to place the old man on a shovel, then in the face of the old man, we will overcome all of hell. The Lord said, you must overcome him as a man. So the Midianites, the Midianites were called to be overcome by Israel by as one person. We, this is possible when the old man is overcome. And when he is overcome, then we demonstrate full victory in our lives. And so, Psalm 18, verses 1 through 4. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God and my rock in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Let us all together confess our inheritance in Christ Jesus. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock of Israel. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. Lord, you are my stronghold. The Lord has made us worthy of His names. And we are grateful to Him for this, that we are able to confess this virtue with our lips. And so in a certain format, as much as God and the level of our faith have allowed us, we have already studied our inherited portion in Christ Jesus and the powers of four names of God. Specifically, this is in the dignity of strength, rock, fortress, and deliverer. Therefore, we will continue to look at our inherited portion in Christ Jesus in the name of God, Rock of Israel. In this prayer song of David, the name of God, Rock, contains the inherited portion of the Son of God, in whom and through whom we are called to receive the victorious ability to keep and expand our income received from placing the silver of our salvation into circulation. So to keep and expand means that we will need to receive a revelation about the adoption of our body. And when we are referring to the adoption of our body, this is not that we are going to be given bodies at one point, but the fact that a person on earth will be clothed into imperishability. And this promise that somehow was hidden from generations and generations and was uncovered when we very closely arrived to rapture, or more closely if we say it, when we were led up to the rock that is higher than us, to the heights that are higher than us. Each time pastor prays at the beginning of service, lead us up to the rock that is higher than I. It is from these heights, heights that are higher than us, that the Lord was able to uncover for us the promise that lies at the door of our hope. And so, Lord, you are my rock, and through this name we keep and expand our salvation meaning we, from the heights of this rock, from this cleft of the rock, this crag upon which our 
nest is built like an eagle builds, we from these heights are able to see all of our inheritance, which includes not just our spirit, which the Lord saves, but also our mortal soul and our perishable body. It turns out that the Lord wants to save all of our essence. And so we arrived at the need to study the following questions. First, what characteristics and criteria define our inherited portion in the name of God, Rock? Second, what purpose in the realization of our salvation is our inherited portion in the name of God, Rock, intended to fulfill? Third, what price is necessary to pay to give God the basis to be our Rock? And fourth, by what results can we define that God is truly our Rock in the realization of our salvation? And so again, we will remember that if, upon proclaiming our inherited portion in the name of God, Rock, we see these powers outside of our heart and the proclamation of our lips, we will move forward in an unfaithful direction. All of these eight names of God, they were given for our heart and for our lips so that we can proclaim them, so that we can proclaim, Lord, you are my strength, Lord, you are my rock, Lord, you are my fortress, my deliverer, my rock of Israel, my shield, the horn of my salvation, and my stronghold. As we see that we proclaim, we proclaim these names with our lips, but when we proclaim and when we confess that name that we have accepted in our heart, and that name over which we have pondered upon and reasoned over and understood what the powers are contained in this name. And then when we proclaim these powers, then it doesn't just give a certain unique shade in prayer, but it gives God the right to move and interfere on planet Earth. So a person says, Lord, you are my rock, and nothing happens. Or he says, let it be to me in my life. Nothing will happen. Or on the contrary, let this not be with me. It is that that will be with him. But another person also says, Lord, you are my rock. And this rock is ready to hear him in order to collaborate in his prayer. And when he collaborates with the name of God, rock, and says, let it be to me, the Lord says, amen, or let this not be to me in my life, or in the life of my child, the Lord says, amen, this will not be. All of the promises are in Christ Jesus, yes and amen, yes and amen, to our yes, or let it be, one must say amen and if we collaborate with the name of god rock then when we say let it be to me in heaven we hear the words amen not because heaven agrees with me but because i proclaim that which has already been proclaimed in heaven and confessed in heaven and when i confess that which was already spoken in heaven then the lord says amen this is very important very important saints that when we pray for us to pray with those prayers that were written about by the apostles, by the prophets, because these words, these principles were already spoken aloud. And when we speak aloud these words as the faith of our heart, then the Lord in heaven says, Amen. Let it be to you according to your word. And so from these four classic questions, we have stopped or be, we'll begin to look at the third question, and it sounds like the following. What price is necessary to pay to give God the basis to be our rock of Israel? And today, we will look at the first component of the price, 
And so the first component of the price, giving God the basis to be our rock of Israel, is comprised of our decision to heed the commandments of the Lord, which will give us the right to exit out of Babylon. To make the decision to heed the commandments of the Lord, and this will give us the right to exit out of Babylon. So here, as we see, it's necessary for us to make a decision. It's necessary for us to pay a certain price. And this is not just, I make the decision to flee Babylon. No, first, we need to heed to the commandments of the Lord, which will then, after this, give us the right and authority and anointing to exit out of Babylon. Scripture says, flee Babylon. And no one's fleeing. Why? Why do people not flee Babylon? Because they don't have the right to authority, meaning they don't have anointing. And why don't they have anointing? Because they don't heed the commandments of the Lord. They don't have a person sent by God. And therefore, they don't hear these words. Let's look at the principles that our pastor and apostle, Brother Arkadi, offers us today. Isaiah 48, verses 18 through 22. Oh, that you had heeded my commandments then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your descendants also would have been like the sand and the offspring of your body like the grains of sand. His name would not have been cut off nor destroyed from before me. Go forth from Babylon, flee from the Chaldeans with a voice of singing, declare, proclaim this, utter it to the end of the earth, saying the Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. And they did not thirst when he led them through the deserts. He caused the waters to flow from the rock for them. He also split the rock, and the waters gushed out. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. A very broad place of scripture. And based on this allegory, as we read, the right to inherit the portion in the name of God, Rock of Israel, is comprised of the price of exiting out of Babylon, which is contending for the place of God in our heart and our midst. To exit out of Babylon, because Babylon contends for the place of God. And the Lord wants this place to be in our heart as well as in the church of God. And these are the two places on which Bab- for which Babylon contends. Being within the power of Babylon, we become hostages of her great wickedness, and we lose our right to rule, to inherit the portion in the name of God, Rock of Israel. As we see, many saints, our captives, hostages of Babylon, and having been captives of Babylon, they become captives of her wickedness, and they lose their inherited portion in the name of God, Rock of Israel. And if we, by way of flight from Babylon, do not free ourselves from its power and from its influence on our thinking and on our will, God will mourn us, as in His time He mourned the fallen son of the dawn and then forever blotted it out of His heart and vomited it out of His lips. Zechariah 2, 6-7 This place of scripture begins with an exclamation, park, uh, exclamation point. Up, up! Flee from the land of the north, says the Lord, for I have spread you abroad like the four winds of heaven, says the Lord. Up, Zion, escape you who dwell with the daughter of Babylon. 
Zion dwells among the daughter or with the daughter of Babylon. She is the hostage of Babylon. And we will see how all of this occurs and happens. And we know that these places in Scripture about Babylon, beginning from the book of Genesis and end with the book of Revelation, there are enough of them. And with regard to this, we will need to answer four questions. First, by what definitions and by what characteristics does Scripture define the mystery of Babylon in our hearts and in our congregations? Babylon is and can be in our heart as well as in our congregations. Second, for what reasons did the daughter of Zion, in the face of God's chosen remnant, become captive of the daughter of Babylon? Third, what conditions must be met in order to gain the right to be free from the power and dependence of Babylon? And fourth, by what sign should we test ourselves for the fact that we have gotten rid of the power and dependence of Babylon over ourselves? And so we will turn right away to the first question. By what definitions and by what characteristics does Scripture define the mystery of Babylon in our hearts and in our congregations outside of us? To enter into the portion of God's grace and impart in the portion of the name of God, Rock of Israel, we must pay the price of flight from Babylon, to flee from Babylon. And in order to flee Babylon, it is necessary to pay these three main prices, initial prices, from which flight from Babylon begins. First, in the renunciation of our people, which includes the renunciation of our confession, which mixes divine revelation in its teaching with the emissions of the human mind. Secondly, in renouncing the house of our Father, who is a member of such a confession, and consequently also a carrier who mixes divine revelation in his teaching with the emissions of the human mind, and thirdly, in the renunciation of our carnal life, which in its state always confuses divine revelation with the emissions of the human mind. Three components. Three components that mix the revelations of God with the emissions of the human mind or the waste of the human mind. Things to which we must die and things which bind us to the spiritual Babylon. This is our nation. This is the house of our Father. And this is our carnal life. These are three substances through which Babylon has a legal right over us. We are hostages of Babylon hostages of its wickedness, hostages of its sins. And this means that if we do not flee from Babylon when the Lord gives us the right to flee it, during the time that is pleasing, as Scripture says, and so when you hear the voice of the Lord, this is that time when we must flee Babylon. Then the fate of Babylon will come upon us unless we do this. And otherwise, the deposit of justification, which we have received as a gift by grace, will never be able to turn into the profit of the fruit of righteousness which has become our own in the dignity of eternal life. Romans 5.21 says, So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Sin reigned in death through man's disobedience to the commandments of the Lord, while grace reigns in the heart of a person through his obedience to the commandments of the Lord. 
In other words, in order for the grace of God to reign in our hearts through the righteousness of our faith, it is necessary to reveal the price that consists in the obedience of our faith to the faith of God set forth in Scripture in the preached word of the apostles and prophets. If only these ignorant people knew that by faith of God, we mean the word of God and the dignity of the commandments and statutes of the Lord, and under our faith there is obedience to the commandments and statutes of the Lord, then they would cease to be ignorant. Take a look how we can be rid from this ignorance, even just to simply understand the principle of what the faith of God is and what our faith is. The faith of God is the word of God in the dignity of the preached word, which the Lord offers through his messengers in the commandments and statutes of the Lord, and our faith is obedience in fulfilling the commandments of Christ. The faith of God and our faith. But the whole trouble is that the essence of ignorance is a conscious rejection of knowledge in favor of the interpretation of the intellect. It's a conscious rejection, conscious ignorance. A person consciously rejects the knowledge of God because it doesn't agree with that which is the faith of God and that which is our faith. They try to change places with both of these and they try to move mountains and do other things. Why? Because they don't not want to, with their faith, to collaborate with the faith of God. And this is very dangerous. Isaiah 4, 6 My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priest for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children, meaning I will forget your promises. To confirm the concept that cheese is free only in the devil's mousetrap, let us pay attention to a place of scripture in which the grace of God is presented in a price that is the dignity of a disciple of Christ, which is a garment of grace. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 27. Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. This is what Christ, words Christ had said. Hence it follows that the price of discipleship is to reject one's carnal life in favor of gaining eternal life. Not just we reject our carnal life in order to become spiritual. Friends, we reject our carnal life so that we do not perish. I rejected my carnal life not just so that I can show my spiritualness, spirituality and my knowledges. No, I take set aside my carnal life so that I do not perish and so that I may gain eternal life. And now let's turn to the image of Babylon, which appears on the first pages of the book of Genesis and is associated with the name of Nimrod, who had built Babylon. It was he, as the ruler of Babylon, who built the Tower of Babel, declaring it a temple and himself a god, who receives worship and sacrifices from his contemporaries in this temple. And in the book of the Revelation of John, the execution of the decree of the judgment over Babylon expressed in casting her into the underworld is carried out. 
take a look how many generations had passed and if in the book of Genesis a Babylon was erected then in the book of Revelation imagine how many thousands of years had happened in the book of Revelation the Lord will carry out his judgment over Babylon Nimrod who had originated is from the descendant of Ham Genesis chapter 8 verses 20 through 22 The sons of Ham were Cush, Mizraim, Put, and Canaan. Cush bought Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one on the earth. In the beginning of the kingdom was Babel, Erech, Akkad, and Kalnech in the land of Shinar. Take a look. In the land of Shinar, the garments of Shinar, these are those garments and that righteousness that is going to be returned to us with the valley of Achor. Take a look at how Babylon holds the promise that lies at the door of our hope. This means that in the order for the Lord to give us the promise we must hear the words flee Babylon well, Lord what Babylon I'm found in Jerusalem he says well aside from this Babylon that is a congregation of people Babylon is also inside of a person and Nimrod is between your ears here here is Nimrod and when the priests our spirit and they do not honor God then Nimrod reveals himself Therefore, we shall not forget this, that today we are looking at the main uh, point in the sermons of pastor at this Nimrod that is found inside of us. The name Nimrod means he who revolted the people against God. He who revolted against God, rebellious. Thus, Nimrod became the first predecessor of the Antichrist in the face of the man of sin and the son of destruction posing as a god. Specifically with the name of Nimrod, the emergence of idolatry is connected. When people seduced by the extraordinary power of Nimrod over the beast and his extraordinary mind as the planner of the Tower of Babel began to worship him as their god. On the one hand, the name Babylon is associated with the meaning to mix and dissipate. And on the other hand, the name Babylon means the gates of heaven pointing to a high tower in the form of a ziggurat called a temple. So a ziggurat is like in Egypt. We see all of the, many of the buildings that are in this form. This form of a ziggurat, which was called a temple, which has become a symbol of the city and the new religion professed in it. So it was practically not just the Antichrist that was born in the face of Nimrod, but also the false church, Babylon. False gates of heaven. Babylon also says, I am the gates of heaven. And the virtuous wife, the chosen remnant, also says, I am the gates to heaven. Nimrod said, but I am the wide gate where we have tolerance. We must love everyone. And the virtuous wife says, but we have a selective love. And then Babylon laughs and says, what kind of selective love is this? What are you making up, selective love, holy love? Well, God loves everyone, Nimrod says. But the dove says, no, God loves his children, and he despises devil and the children of devil and all that is tied to hell 
and death, illnesses, poverty, premature death, depression, destruction, ignorance, selfishness, as we pray in the beginning of service, and these words are passed along by our apostle, all of these things the Lord despises. Thus, the Tower of Babylon and the city itself became the personification of a powerful force opposed to God and resisting God. The reason for such power, which overshowered the power and strength of God among Nimrod's contemporaries, was the mixing of divine truth by Nimrod with the inventions of his intellect, in which he, like a fallen cherub, attributed the revelation of the merits of God to the possibilities of his mind, and ascribed the vices of his pride to God himself. In the recent past, in the face of the union of the sons of God with the daughters of men, God condemned every living being by the waters of the flood, but preserved the family of the righteous and unblemished Noah. And when exiting out of uh, the ark, Noah built an altar to the Lord, and he took from every animal what was pure and brought them as a burnt offering on the altar, then the Lord had favored had favored this and said in his heart I will never again curse the ground for man's sake although the imagination of a man's heart is evil from his youth nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done while the earth remains seed time and harvest cold and heat winter and summer and day and night shall not cease and now interestingly Thanks to the covenant that God made with Noah and with the whole earth, Babylon, in the face of religious movements, mixing divine revelation with the emissions of the carnal mind, took on rampant proportions. When Babylon had heard that the Lord said, I will no longer curse the earth, Babylon says, wonderful, meaning we're going to be destroyed in the book of Revelation before rapture. We have so many thousands of years. Yes. What can be better when we have several thousands of years, when we have so much time? And sometimes people think in such a way, well, I have a lot of time still remaining. I still have a lot of time left. And then, this takes up dangerous proportions in our life when it's difficult to fix something in our lives. When we haven't left a carnal life in time, then we haven't left, meaning we put it into, uh, into a mason jar, and winter comes, our hair turns gray, and in our old years, we begin to open what we had put in these mason jars. And we begin to feed this to our children, our grandchildren. Why? We had time. We had time to leave our carnal life. And any quality, any character that was not left by us, which we despised in someone, again, it is dangerous, meaning we don't collaborate with the name of God. You are my rock. You are my rock means that I have seen this quality in myself and I had condemned it, judged it in myself. Therefore, when this doesn't happen, the quality that we have not been rid of, this is like a mason jar, which I will then feed my children, my grandchildren, my great grandchildren if they live until this time if they're not uh, sent to the grave earlier however the execution of judgment over Babylon in the face of the called ones will be accomplished by God when the remnant 
chosen by him, obeying his voice, leaves Babylon to meet the coming bridegroom by joining a wise wife who has the dignity of a narrow gate. And when the chosen remnant of God in the rank of warriors of prayer is clothed in the pre-dawn darkness and the pearls of imperishability, then the time will come for the execution of judgment over Babylon, after which God will take back his bride to meet him in the air and increase the degree of the outpouring of his anger on his daughter Babylon sitting on a crimson beast. Here we have seen this Babylon that is found that can be in the congregation of people that calls itself holy and also and every individual person and we must exit this state and we'll later on look at how we must correctly run away and we know that there's a great price behind this and when we exited out of Egypt this was one price we needed to close the doors and and, and sprinkle the blood on our doors on our doors when we flee Babylon we must run out of it with great strength this is a completely different angle Nimrod will reveal it's himself he will kill us and he won't let us go as Pharaoh Pharaoh was when we were infants when we exited out of Egypt we were infants carnal infants there's a different difference between Babylon and Egypt when we exited out of Egypt we exited out of infancy because infancy is always a carnal but uh, something carnal is not always an infant if a person has so many years been a Christian and he says this is an infant in Christ no what kind of infant is he what kind of infants in Christ is he there was a time for him to leave Egypt and if Egypt was not left or a person exited out of Egypt but carried out Egypt with him then this Egypt turns into Babylon and this is very dangerous this are people that are they control in church they have experience they have knowledge and they are they con- are controlling in the church they don't agree with that because they say i have my own head i have my own bible we say we have the word of god but they have their own bible they say this is very dangerous what do these phrases say these phrases say that when they exited out of egypt they exited out of egypt but they carried out egypt with them and they in the death of the lord jesus did not bury it denied did not die and then this infancy turned into Babylon, into this carnal state, and these are very dangerous people, very dangerous. An infant and a carnal person, they're totally different people. And so the second question, for what reasons did the daughter of Zion in the face of God's chosen remnant become captive to the daughter of Babylon? It should be borne in mind that in the dimension of time, the category of the remnant chosen by God for certain reasons ends up to a certain time will be associated with the category of those called just as wheat was associated with tares growing with it in the same field. Why did we end up at the captivity of the daughter of Babylon? Because we grow together in one field. And due to her belonging to the category of the called, she will be imputed the sin in which the category of the called is. And this sin expresses itself in the legalization of sin or in violation of the commandments of the Lord by mixing divine revelation with the emissions of the carnal mind. The phrase, oh, if you would heed my commandments, reveals the reason for the disobedience to the commandments of the Lord according to which the daughter of Zion ended up in Babylon's captivity. Well, if she were to have heeded the commandments of the Lord, she would not have ended up there, but she became a hostage.
Second Chronicles chapter 36, verses 17 through 21. Therefore he brought against them the king of the Chaldeans, who killed their young men with a sword in the house of their sanctuary, and had no compassion on young men or virgin, on the aged or the weak. He gave them all into his hand. And all the articles from the house of God, great and small, the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king and his leaders, all these he took to Babylon. And they burned the house of God, broke down the wall of Jerusalem, burned all its palaces with fire, and destroyed all its precious possessions. And those who escaped from the sword he carried away to Babylon, where they became servants to him and his sons until the rule of the kingdom of Persia, to fulfill the word of the Lord by by the mouth of Jeremiah, until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths. As long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath, to fulfill seventy years. Obviously, the main violation of the commandments of the Lord was the mixing of divine revelation with the emissions of the carnal mind. Exodus chapter 19, verse 19. You shall keep my statutes. You shall not let your livestock breed with another kind. You shall not sow your field with mixed seed, nor shall a garment of mixed linen and wool come upon you. To bring your livestock together with a different breed of livestock, sow your field with two kinds of seeds, and to dress in different garments means to mix the clean with the unclean and the holy with the unholy, which in practice means to blur the boundaries of what is permitted or to legalize sin and call evil good and darkness light, which actually means to mix the emissions of your mind with the revelations of the Holy Spirit that reveal the truth in the heart. Isaiah chapter 5, verses 20-23 Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe to men mighty at drinking wine. Woe to men valiant for mixing intoxicating drink, who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away justice from the righteous man. And now, the forge of Babylon, in which leaders and teachers are forged for the daughter of Zion, are the Nimrods, Nimrods, who revived theological institutions in which they distribute to their teachers bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. And we know that almost in all countries of the world, these degrees are highly regarded. And when pastor receives some kind of status of a bachelor, doctoral, and the religious elite, usually when this happens, when pastors were previously pastors before and received a degree, they become Dr. Johnson, for example. They place doctor in their name. In all countries, when you are a doctor, you have a handshake and also you are nearly worshipped or bowed down to Dr. Johnson. He was Pastor Johnson and became Dr. Johnson. Take a look at how Babylon reveals itself. Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 10 through 14. For thus says the Lord, After seventy years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you, and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I have toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me, 
when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. And when the prophet Daniel had read these words, he, according to this revelation, Jeremiah had revealed that the number of the captivity of Israel had concluded, and he began to pray. Previously he thought, how did he know? How did he find out? There weren't any calculators. There's no calculators needed. It had to have simply been read the uh, Jeremiah several times when he said, when 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. And the prophet Daniel said, I have understood 70 years has passed, but we are still in slavery. What must be done? We must proclaim. And in order to proclaim, it was necessary for him to first repent for himself and for his people to reject the vain life of his forefathers, to condemn all those sins because of which they ended up in Babylon. And then he was given the opportunity to return from Babylon and to build the walls of Jerusalem. And so by the time of the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ, as a guarantee of our rapture in the pre-dawn darkness of the rising sun of righteousness, a voice will sound from heaven in the words of God's messenger saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. Revelation chapter 8, verses 1 through 6. It is written, After these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth. This is referring to the messenger of God, the apostle, the person who presents the fatherhood of God. Scripture says that the earth illuminated from his from his glory, and he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works. And the cup which she has mixed, mixed double for her. This is how we ended up there in this Babylon. Now, as we see, we need to flee from Babylon to leave our carnal state, carnal nature. And as we said, in order to flee from this infancy, to flee from this Egypt, from this carnal nature, we had to flee to flee Egypt. We had to close our door, anoint our essence or sprinkle our essence with the blood of the Lamb. But to exit out of Babylon, we need to open the door and run. In another place of scripture, it tells us how to run. When Moses had said, when the anger of God had come to devour the people of God for their worship to the golden calf, they he had to stop the anger. Where? To hide behind the door? No, he said, he who is of the Lord, come. And the sons of Levi came. And so they were girded with a sword and they went into the to the people uh, to, to, to destroy all of those who had clung to this God. 
and who had worshipped the golden calf. This is the price that we see, the price how we uh, destroy this Babylon in ourselves. To exit out of Babylon is to condemn Babylon in ourselves. So the third question, what conditions must be met in order to free ourselves from the power and dependence of Babylon? Which, in, which practically means what conditions must be fulfilled in order for God to receive a basis to erect a rock in our hearts from which He will pour water out of the stone for us. So exiting out of Babylon is tied to this rock, this rock that is going to be formed in our heart and that is going to pour out water from the rock for us because it is the portion in the name of God, Rock of Israel, that is called to free us from the power of Babylon and from her bitter waters of death in order to give us the sweet waters of life. It is the name of God, Rock of Israel. Therefore, when we say, Lord, you are my Rock of Israel, we hear that this rock turns towards us and says, flee from Babylon, leave your carnal nature. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1-5 through 5. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, or in other words, all of them sat on one bench in the church, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. It is to these few that the word flee from Babylon is addressed. If you are in a congregation about which the prophet Isaiah says, Woe to you who call evil good and good evil. They regard darkness as light and light as darkness. They regard bitter as sweet and sweet as bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. Flee from such Babylon so that you do not share in her sins and do not be exposed to her plagues. It is not enough not to call evil good and good evil. It is necessary to dissociate oneself from such a community that has nothing to do with the dignity of Zion. Pay attention here. It's necessary to dissociate ourselves with these people both inside of us. And when this call we hear, we say at the door of our hope to exit out of Babylon, we need to also separate ourselves from the congregation that has nothing in relation to Zion. This is a revolutionary thought, that the fact that it turns out that we need to, to collaborate with the name of God, Rock of Israel, we need to destroy this Babylon in ourselves to cast him out and then to flee from him, flee from this kind of a midst. The phrase, oh, if you only heeded my commandments, means to listen attentively to the person sent by God to present the mystery of revelations contained in the commandments of the Lord and to be ready unswervingly to fulfill the word heard. It follows from this that if a person going to the house of the Lord, which is the church of Jesus Christ, did not prepare his heart to listen to the word of God, his name will be destroyed before the Lord. It should be borne in mind that the first prescription in relation to listening to the word of God is that not every religious movement or congregation that calls itself the Church of Jesus Christ is really the Church of Christ. After all, the gathering of Babylon calls itself the Church of Jesus Christ, and therefore, before preparing your heart to listen to the Word of God, it is necessary to distinguish Babylon from Zion in order to know 
where we should run in order to prepare our heart to listen to the Word of God. For example, addressing his church, God says, I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. And we have already paid attention to the fact that in Scripture, the search and discovery of the true congregation of Christ is akin to finding a narrow gate, because both in one and in the other case, a person who has found a good wife in the dignity of a narrow gate receives the right to power to enter the inheritance of the grace of God. As it is written in Proverbs 18.23, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. To find means to receive a revelation in our heart, which congregation should be determined as a salt of the earth in the light of life, and in search of a congregation, few think about this factor. A very few question, Lord, what church is salt and the light of life, so that I can come there and open my heart for hearing the word of God? Luke chapter 13, verses 23 through 28. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open for us, and he will answer and say to you, I do not know you where you are from. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourselves thrust out. In this parable, a multitude of congregations, numbering a multitude of people, inherit destruction only because they were not looking for what to look for and not where to look. First, instead of seeking salvation for their souls, they turned all their strength and means to save others, while they themselves did not grow in salvation since they thought they would gain salvation at the expense of the salvation of others. And secondly, Instead of seeking their salvation and studying on the streets of the New Jerusalem, they studied on their own streets, mixing divine revelation with human and demonic interpretation. And thirdly, instead of paying a price for food that could change their character into the character of the Holy Spirit, they paid a price for food that does not satisfy. And therefore, in order to obtain the right to power, to find a narrow gate in the face of a good wife, and to flee from Babylon, which calls itself the Church of Christ, conditions already known to us are necessary. First, to be separated by the cross of the Lord Jesus from our people, which includes our confession, mixing the human interpretation with the divine, from our Father's house, belonging to a similar confession, and from the corrupting lusts of our soul, mixing the dimensions of the human mind with divine revelations. Second, having adhered to a good wife, 
to accept into the good soil of our heart through instruction in faith the seed of the commanding teaching of Christ. Third, to receive the Holy Spirit into our heart as Lord and ruler of our life in order to be led by the Holy Spirit. And fourth, to wait with patience for the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ, in which our earthly body will be clothed to the pearls of incorruptibility due to the resurrection of Christ. Take a look. The broad explanation of what it means to flee from Babylon. So this is not just to die to our nation, to the house of our father, and to our corrupt desires, which are tied closely to confession, specifically from the confessions of Babylon. It is necessary to exit Babylon, meaning to run to somewhere else. Running away from something, we run to something. We can't just run away. Practically, Scripture says, flee Babylon. Or another phrase, which will you offer? Go to Jerusalem. These are two different phrases, but they speak of one thing. Flee from Babylon means run into Jerusalem. So Jerusalem, as pastor shows us, that this is the virtuous wife. These are the narrow gates. This is the chosen remnant of God. Run to there so that there you could receive the Word of God and so that you can receive the Holy Spirit as Lord and ruler of your life and there, specifically in Jerusalem, to wait for the adoption of your body into Jerusalem. Outside of Jerusalem, it is impossible to receive the promise at the door of hope. This doesn't mean that it's necessary to be found in the city Portland It is necessary to have an organized partaking to those churches that are called Jerusalem. This is necessary to have an organized partaking. If we don't have an organized partaking, this means that we have not left Babylon. To exit out of Babylon is to run to Jerusalem. Therefore, when preachers say, run out of Babylon, you must say, well, where? Where do we run? Into Jerusalem. Give me the criteria, please, of Jerusalem. How does it look like? They will never do this. Because if they paint all of the parameters and characteristics of Jerusalem, they say, you know, I've seen this church before. It's somewhere in Oregon or in other places. Have you truly shown us a portrait of this church? You know what? What are we doing here? They never say this. They just say, flee Babylon. Well, where? Into Jerusalem give me the portrait of Jerusalem and when they draw it you say my Lord praise be to you that we are already found in Jerusalem and so the fourth question on what grounds should we test ourselves for the fact that we have gotten rid of dependence both from Babylon who lives in us and from Babylon outside of us in which we were being found in a carnal state The main sign will be our heart that is hewn out of the living rock which exudes the waters of life for us in the subject of imperishable pearls designed to clothe our bodies. The first sign is that the Lord will liken our heart to the rock from which or in which or which exudes the waters of life for us. Based on the available allegory, the signs of living water in our heart pouring from the hewn rock will be as follows. All of this is written in Isaiah, that place the scripture in Isaiah, which we are currently studying, looking at. Five signs 
that demonstrate that our heart exudes or pours out water of life, and it will do this when we flee Babylon. And now we are verifying, Lord, is my heart exuding the water of life, the water of God's life? For this, it is necessary to have these five characteristics. First, peace in our heart will be like a river. Second, the truth in our heart will be like the waves of the sea. Third, our seed will be like sand. Fourth, those that come from our loins will be like the grains of sand. And fifth, our names before God will not be blotted out and destroyed. A heart has the dignity of a hewn rock from which the waters of life flow is a broken heart in the death of the Lord Jesus, which gives God reason to revive our heart by the resurrection of Jesus, which will become a river of water of life pouring out of our heart in the dignity of imperishable pearls in five signs which we had just read. And so here's the first sign. The first sign out of these five, water pouring from the rock of our hewn heart or split heart will be in our heart such a peace that will flow like a river. Such a peace that will flow like a river. Again, we'll read Isaiah 48, 15. Oh, if you would heed to my commandments, then your peace would be like a river your peace would be like a river. Under the river flowing from the rock of our hewn heart, we should consider the action of the revelations of the Holy Spirit. So this is truth and action. The verity of God is truth and action. Whom the revelations of the Holy Spirit whom we have received as Lord and Master of our life through obedience to the preached word to us and the depths of a good wife. John seven thirty seven through thirty nine. On the last day, that great day of the feast. So when we talk about the last day of the feast, this is going to be that feast that is going to be at the door of our hope, and we must, uh, we will live through this. That last day, the great day of the feast. So right before this promise, that we, the Church of God, is going to be clothed in the promise. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, "If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink." who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The result of such an action in our hearts is the tree of life, bearing fruit twelve times, giving its fruit for every month, and the leaves of the tree that are for the healing of the nations. Now we're looking, do I have this river of life? Do I have peace, and does this peace flow like a river? Scripture says that out of the heart, rivers of water will flow. Lord, how do I how do I verify if I have these rivers of living water? We must see the tree of life in this heart. Revelation 22, verses 1 through 2. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So this river comes from uh, God and the Lamb, but the place where the Lord dwells, He dwells in heaven, He dwells in the sanctuary, and He dwells in a humble and contrite heart. It is there where His throne is found, and it is from there that the river of the water of life flows, clear as crystal. In the middle of its street, and on either side of the river, was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So, if we have the rivers of living water, then we will have the tree of life. Then a question, well, what is? does the tree of life express itself? Proverbs 15.4, 
A bridle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. So to define, if we have these flows, this flow of water, we define if we have a tree of life. To define if we have a tree of life, we verify, do we have a bridle tongue, a meek tongue? Therefore, returning to our initial text, Scripture says that if we have left Babylon, this means that the Lord has made our heart like a rock, like a rock which exudes the water of life. And this means that we will have meek lips, a meek tongue. This was the first sign. The second sign, water pouring from the rock of our split or hewn rock heart, will represent the truth of God, which will be like the waves of the sea. Isaiah 48 18, or oh, that you would have heed my commandments, then your peace would have been like a river, and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. And your righteousness like the waves of the sea. The movement of sea waves determines the vital energy of the oceans and seas, like the movement of blood through the blood system in the body of a person. In other words, just like the movement of blood in the body of a person defines his life's activities and keeps his safe his life, so do the waves of the oceans and seas define and keep its life. All of these movements, all of these waves, all of thanks to them, the ocean lives. When Scripture says your righteousness is going to be like the waves of the sea, we mean that when we practice righteousness, then it, like the waves of the sea, will define and keep in our essence the life of God. Scripture says in Revelation 22:10-12, He who is righteous, let him be righteous still, and he who is holy, let him be holy still. This word, righteous, let him be righteous still, and he who is holy, let him be holy still, tells us that in, it, in us is life, and this is, or these are, those waves of the sea that are like righteousness, and your righteousness is like the waves of the sea, Isaiah says, meaning life reveals itself through the practice of righteousness and through the practice of sanctification. The third sign of water pouring from the rock of our hewn heart will represent the seed of promises that will be like the sand. Again, Isaiah 48 18, Oh, that you had heeded my commandments, then your peace would have been like a river, and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your descendants also would have been like the sand, and your descendants would have been like the sand. Natural sand is a loose mixture of grains of living minerals formed as a result of the destruction of solid rocks by rain and wind. From this it follows that the nature of spiritual sand represents the bond of all living promises in our heart in the dignity of the seed of the word that is hewn out of the living rock under the movement of the Holy Spirit fulfilling the function of rain and wind. So it is thanks to the Holy Spirit that uses its powers in the functions of rain and wind he turns them to our rock, and our rock forms these sands. Take a look at how sand is formed. They are formed from the rock. Genesis chapter 13, verses 14 through 18. And the Lord said to Abram, Abram is, Abraham was a person whose heart was built into this rock, and this rock in his heart had exuded rivers of living water. And aside from this, he had the seed of the promise as like a grain of sand. And the Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him. Lot separated from him 
is that call. Uh, leave my people out of Babylon, out of this carnal nature. When the carnal nature separated from her, the soul separated. Uh, the Lord said to Abram, Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever, and I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. So that if a man could number the dust of the earth or the sand of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. And Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. So he went into the terebinth trees of Mamre. There where the word of God dwells, there where the covenant is made with God. He began to collaborate through the proclamation of the word of God. And here the Lord says to Abraham, as the sand of the earth, I will make your descendants, meaning the promise like the sand of the earth. Therefore, saints, we must understand that the sand of the earth are those promises which we have. It is the promise that lies the adoption of our body, the door of our hope. It is in the format of this sand. And your seed, to receive the seed, this sand of the minerals, the Holy Spirit needed to, through his rains, through his winds, to work with this rock. Take a look at how much work the Holy Spirit had to do to form these promises. Not in every heart, not in every heart is the promise. Not in every heart is the sand as it is written here. And I will make your descendants like the sand of the earth. Take a look at what kind of heart is necessary. Only by collaborating with the name of God, you are my rock of Israel. And the Lord does what? He builds my heart into a rock. And then he sends the Holy Spirit there in the function of rain and wind and begins from this rock to uh, split us or to so that we are hewn. Look at the rock from which you were hewn. Someone is making the split in us. When someone works with us through the rain and the wind, then all of these sands, these grains that are around the rock, these are those promises, that promise that tells us that we have the legal right to this promise. Someone must have split us through the function of the rain and wind. This is the Holy Spirit and the Word of God that work with us. How beautifully this is presented by a, by a Pastor Arkady. This portrait was presented that your descendants as the seed of the earth. How important this, this sand is, the sand of living minerals. The fourth sign of water pouring out from the rock of her hewn heart will be our offspring that are like the grains of sand. Based on the fact that the image of sand is an image of the promises preached to us by the person that sows the seed of the Word of God, clothed in the powers of the fatherhood of God, then the grains of sand that come from our offspring is an image of the fruit of our lips and the dignity of the fruit of righteousness. As we had read, and your offspring shall be like the grains of sand. So when we have these promises in the format of sand, when we have these promises now, these grains of sand must be enabled by us. Offspring of your body like the grains of sand, meaning our body is there where the seed is, and when we proclaim the seed with our lips, then the Lord clothes us in the powers of these promises. Take a look at how beautifully this was presented. And your seed is, 
your descendants like sand and the offspring of your body like the grains of sand. It turns out that we can't proclaim the grains of sand until we have sand, and sand won't be until we receive the word of God through the lips of the messengers of God who preach to us the might and the power of the word of God and the Holy Spirit. And the fifth sign, the fifth sign of water pouring from the rock of our hewn heart represent before God the dignity of our names that will not be blotted out and will not be destroyed. We are referring to the presence of the promises in our heart that give us the guarantee that our names will not be blotted out of the book of life. Revelation 3.5 He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. According to the meaning of this promise, the guarantee that our names will not be blotted out before the face of God will be the reward for the fulfillment of the commandments of the Lord, which yields our calling, expressing the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ. The adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ is building up in our body the power of life, which will produce in our earthly bodies the state of imperishability, to test ourselves for the presence of the fruit of righteousness in our heart in the form of the fruit of the promise that relates to the adoption of our body, the redemption of Christ, should be done according to our relationship to righteousness and our relationship toward lawlessness. That's why when the Lord says, Lee, exit out of Babylon, run from the Chaldeans, we spread these news until the ends of the earth, and we know that this is a great price. This is a great price that is going to be necessary to pay uh, by each of us. When we have left Egypt, we have left infancy. When we have left Babylon, we must leave our carnal state, our carnal state. And that's why we hear this cry today through that word which the Lord has given to us through the lips of His messenger today. So we see that who had to proclaim this fleeing from Babylon? And this isn't just, I opened the Bible and read it. No, this had to have been done by the person clothed in the powers of the fatherhood of God to proclaim when it is time to flee from this Babylon and this will be right at the door of hope. Why? Because before this time, Babylon had continued and existed. And the time had come for the Lord to reveal His anger and pour out His wrath on Babylon. And we will help Him do this. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the great privilege to be found in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. We thank you that upon this place lays a remembrance of your holy name, because upon this place dwells your word, your commandments, your law of God. And that place upon which your word dwells, this is that place where you have placed a remembrance of your name. And we thank you, Lord, that today you have declared to us through your angel, through your messenger, through the person whom you have sent into our life, you have declared that the time to exit out of Babylon has come. And we, Lord, have made the decision today, having heard this cry, to leave Babylon and to run from the Chaldeans. 
And we will do this with great joy. And we will declare of this and spread these news, this news to the ends of the earth. And we thank you, Lord, that today the limits of this earth are our bodies. It is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Church of God. Allow us, Lord, to these ends to declare that we have made the decision to flee Babylon and to run from the Chaldeans so that our body could enter into its inheritance which you have prepared for it so that what was dead could be swallowed up by imperishability so that all of this could be swallowed up by the victory of Christ and we thank you Lord that today we are able to be clothed in this victory and to thank you that we are found in this victory and we Lord have heard about the price and we have paid this price we are ready to always pay this price so that we can be separated from Babylon we thank you that you have allowed us to flee Babylon and to run to Jerusalem to enter through these narrow gates having acknowledged your divine order and when we came to this place we came that upon this place we can prepare our heart to accept your divine revelation your commandments your statutes which will become living water flowing out of our heart you wait Lord when the rock which you formed us into will begin to pour out the rivers of living water and we thank you Lord that today we proclaim this life for our bodies as well as for the body of Christ and we ask Lord according on the basis of your words may with a noise be cast out the power of death in the face of reigning sin in our essence into hell and in its place may the resurrection of Christ reign in us Lord may your decree about Babylon come and we pray Lord we ask that just on the basis of your worst give back double to Babylon what it gave to Israel come Lord in your anger and pour out your wrath on Babylon and allow us Lord to leave our carnal state to leave Babylon in the limits of congregations that are called Jerusalem but are not so and also to leave our carnal state because if we are left in Jerusalem with our carnal state then that decree that you have spoken against Babylon it is going to plague the carnal in Jerusalem those that don't have the seal of God on their foreheads and those that have Nimrod in their heads we Lord have carried out a decree over Nimrod we have placed the seal of righteousness on our foreheads we Lord have made the decision today to collaborate our faith with the faith of God and we thank you Lord 
for the faith of God which we have accepted today in the preached word which you have given us or the person whom you have sent into our life. We thank you, Lord, for your word, for your lips. We thank you for our pastor who has declared to us today this great news which was found in our heart. But today, Lord, we will speak these words aloud with our lips and we make the decision to leave and flee Babylon, to flee this carnal state. So that we can acknowledge your divine order, so that we can hear your word and accept it. And we thank you, Lord, that you have allowed our hearts to exude rivers of living water, which will allow us to grow the tree of life and to begin to have meek lips. We thank you, Lord, that today we have the right to the peace of God in our hearts, which, like a river, we thank you that righteousness in our heart becomes like the waves of the sea. We thank you for this movement of life and resurrection in us. And we ask you, Lord, that you allow for the righteousness in our heart to be like the waves of the sea. Therefore, allow us, Lord, today to demonstrate the practice of righteousness and the works of righteousness and the practice of holiness and the works of sanctification. Allow us today, Lord, to proclaim that we have died to our nation, to the house of our Father, and to our personal desires, to our confessions, which bound us to the fate of Babylon. And we have become partakers of Jerusalem so that we can share that which you have prepared for Jerusalem. We thank you, Lord, that all of that which today you give to us, you give to us in the format of a seed. And we ask, Lord, that our seed be like the sand. And today we take it, and today our lips and our loins today are going to be like the grains of sand. Our body will be like the grains of sand. We are clothed to the proclamation of our lips into these promises. We call the inexistent as existent. And yet we continue to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. And you, Lord, have given the promise that our names will never be blotted out of the book of life. And you have given the promise that if we will keep the word of patience, the word of your patience, then you will keep us from the years of destruction that are coming to the earth to test those that live on the earth. We thank you, Lord, that we have kept your word. And we thank you, Lord, for your word. And we ask, Lord, we pray for the man of God through whom we have received this revelation so that just as this word served us, just as this word lifted us up, healed us, tended to us, lifted us up and comforted us, that this word of God through our prayer could serve also the man of God through whom we have received this grace and this revelation, so that his body could be restored before your face and so that he could continue to declare with boldness those revelations which are found, Lord, in his heart, so that, Lord, our heart 
could exude the rivers of living water. We thank you, Lord, for that word that has already reached and become accessible to our heart. We thank you for that word that has reached our soul, our understanding, and that we today are proclaiming with our lips. We thank you for this word of God. We thank you for this service. Let your name be praised and magnified, our Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And before we conclude with our unchanging manifestation announcement that tomorrow at 1.30 will be the marriage ceremony in our church. David Bidazowski and Alexandra Babkova will be the marriage ceremony here in this place. Therefore, all of those that would desire to partake of this marriage ceremony here, you may come at 1.30 to this place. We will also have a live stream. You can also see it if you can't watch it at home at your televisions. And now let us conclude with our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with unblemished joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.